Well, today I had someone give me a, a, a text with a picture from the beach this morning. And they had their shoes off at the beach. They said, Pastor, we are supporting Barefoot Sunday. And so I didn't think that was very nice as we were here raining. They're on the beach with their shoes off. So, uh, I mean, we had about, I think about 12 families in Florida from our church this week, and about 10 of them are in the same place, not planned. And so I think we just need to send somebody down to hold a uh, church service. So we have any volunteers who wants to go to Florida this morning? Okay, yeah, there we are. Everybody wants to go to Florida, right? Uh, who wants to go across the street? Maybe that's a better question. Who, who wants to go across the street and show love to your neighbor? Oh, now we get into where God wants us to be this morning. I'm going to talk to you about the thought... Turn to your neighbor and say, do something. Do something. Now, there's different ways I could have phrased that today. Uh, I thought about there's some ways I could have done it, you know, phrased that compared to when I was growing up uh, on, on the football fields. The coaches had some things, some sayings that kind of went along with that, but none of those are appropriate to use in a mixed congregation, so I won't use them today. But I'm going to keep it simple, but I want to motivate you today to do something, to do something. Look, look at our text in James chapter 1, 22. Look what it says here. James says, but be doers of the word. He's saying, don't just be sitters. Don't just be consumers. He says, let it be an action part of your life. Doers. It's an action word, right? It's love and action. Be a doer of the word, not just hearers only. We, we deceive ourselves when we only hear it, but never put it into action in our life. May I say today that in Christianity, we have way too many consumers and not enough doers. Oh, you, yeah, you just thought you were going to get off easy today. You know, I'm going I'm to hit you today with, with a hard word and motivate you and convicting all of us today about how we've got to get beyond what we're doing now and say, God, I gotta open my eyes to see what you want me to see. God, I gotta open my eyes and put love into action. If I come and I just consume, I just consume, I just consume, I may be growing in knowledge, but I'm not growing in the way God wants me to grow is love and action. He wants us. He expects us. He challenges us. He led by example. He could have figured out another way to save us, but he sent his only son. He put love into action. He didn't have to die on the cross for you and I, but he put love into action. He's a doer, and he expects you and I to become doers of the word. we got to put some action behind what we hear. we got to put some action behind what we're learning. we got to put some action that when grace came to me, I put grace into action in my life. How many people woke up this morning and decided to do the most important thing you could do? Anybody here? What, what is the most important thing you, when you wake up this morning? What's the most important thing you did? Huh? Some of you are thinking, this is kind of really deep, Pastor. This is really not a hard answer. What's the most important thing we do this morning when we get up? If I do this, breathe. How many know before we have food, before we have water, before we do anything else, if we ain't breathing, it's going to be a bad day. Right? It's the most vital thing we can do is to choose to breathe. But how many of us actually think about it? How many get up and consciously think, i got to get up and breathe today? It's already in our subconscious, 
It's such an important thing. We do it so often, it becomes a small choice we do every day, but it's the most vital choice we do every day. You see, I believe today that our life is full of these vital choices. And being a Christian, it should be a vital choice that you choose you choose to do God's will in your life every day. I just want to be like Jesus. I just want to show his love. You know, in the Garden of Eden, God said, Adam and Eve, I'm giving you all this garden, you know. And then he gave them two choices, right? No, he didn't give them two choices. He gave them one bad choice, and he gave them multiple good choices. You can eat of all this garden. You can eat of all these trees. Just stay away from the one tree. This is the one thing I want you not to eat of. But you can have all these great, wonderful choices I have provided for you. And what do they do? They choose the one thing they shouldn't have chose. I mean, I'm, think about it. All these great choices. And we're going to choose the one thing. But how many of us do that every day? All these great choices God's got for our life. God's got all these great choices. He's wanting us to choose every day, and we'll choose the one bad thing. I mean, I'm wanting you to say, you know what? I've got to have ingrained in me. You know, being a Christian and growing close to God is just not being here on Sunday morning, and it's just not worshiping. But worship happens when you walk outside the doors of the church. Worship happens when I make a conscious choice every day that I want to show God's love. Worship happens that I want to be God's hands and feet. Worship happens when I want people to see the real Jesus. Worship happens not only in the presence of God, in the worship service, but more importantly, it happens how we walk out our life every day. That's where worship happens. That's where true worship is happening. That's where true growth is happening. And we must choose, choose. When you encounter God's love, when you encounter God's grace, it abandons, it comes to us, it kicks down the walls, it came to us in our mess, it came to us in our all of the chaos in our life, all the mistakes we made, it came to us in the pig's pen, it pulled us out, it wrapped his arms of love around us, showed us grace unearned, gave us grace and love unmerited, it came to us, it refuses, listen to me, it refuses to be silent in my life. It must refuse to be silent in your life. It must change. I've got to say, I've got to choose every day that I can't live in the level of selfishness that I live my life. God's love is transforming me, and I'm choosing every day to take that love and to grow every day. I can't stay in my selfish self. Come on, we battle with selfishness all of our life. What's the first words we learn? Not mommy and daddy, it's mine. Right? Go try to take that toy away from that new more baby. Go, go take that toy. They're going to grab a hold of that thing. Go grab that toy for that toddler's learning how to spot, speak. They're going to say, Mommy. They're going to say, No. Mine. It's just something that's in us. And we, we battle that all of our life. It's defeating a selfish spirit. How do I defeat that? When I say, God, I refuse to stay here. I refuse to stay at this level. Your grace is consuming. Your love has pursued me. It's changing me. And I've got to take myself. I'm choosing every day to take myself to a place where I can show your love every day of my life. I believe that 99% of the people who tell me, I just don't know what God's will is for my life. I, I call hogwash on that. Come on now. You're about to get mad at me. That's okay. 
99% of people tell me, I don't know God's will for my life. I call hogwash on that. That's a nice way of saying it today, right? Okay. I call hogwash on that. Why? I believe it's not that we don't know what to do. It's the fact that we don't have the guts to do it. That's where it's really at. I don't have the guts to go out and to live a selfish life. I don't have the guts to go out and to help somebody else. I don't have the guts to go out. No, I don't have to wait around. God's got his plan already revealed to me. Stop using prayer as an excuse not to do God's will. Hey, I'm, I'm praying about it, Pastor. I'm praying whether or not I should serve. I'm praying whether or not I should. Do we really have to pray about God? Do you want me to show some love to kids? Let's fast over that one. God, do you really want me to bring a pair of shoes when I have multiple shoes in my closet and help somebody else who doesn't have any? Do I really need to pray about that? God, do you, do you want me to serve your local body, what you call your bride, the bride of Christ? Do you really want me to serve? Do I need to pray about that? Do I really need to pray about bringing Christmas decorations and giving to families who can't afford it at Christmas time? Do I really need to pray about sponsoring a foster kid and making sure he knows that somebody hasn't forgotten him and loves him? Do I really need to pray about going and helping a kid in a school who can't afford a brand new pair of shoes and helping them out? Do I really need to pray about buying a kid a baseball glove on a team who can't afford a new glove and his gloves already torn apart? And you give them a new glove and say, Coach, give it to that kid. Do I really need to pray about that? No, I want to be the heart of Jesus. His love came to me, transferring me, changing me. And I don't have to pray now. I know God, I just got to choose every day. I want to be more like you. I want to be more like Jesus. I don't want to be more like Elevation Church. I don't want to be more like this church or that church, all great churches. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. It's who God's calling me to be. It's who God's calling us to be. I don't have to pray about the open chair next to me. Should it be filled? I don't need to pray. Should I bring my coworker to church? I don't need to pray. Should I invite my neighbor to church? I don't need to pray about should I do it? God wants the heart to reach people. It's hardest to reach people. I don't have to pray about the saints. Let's be passionate about the things that are close to the heart of God. What's he want us to be passionate about? Loving God. Okay, we're going after, we're loving God. He wants me to love God, and he wants me to love others. He wants me to love others, however that looks. Whether it's giving them something to eat, whether it's giving them some shoes on their feet, whether it's showing kindness to them when nobody else will, whether it's praying for them at their darkest hour, whatever it is, what can I do to help somebody? That's the heart of God, and that's where he wants us to be. Do something. Quit hiding behind. I'm praying about it. I'm waiting to be led. No! Get off your Christian tush and do something for God. I'm telling you, we got to do something for God. It's not about, I'm going to wait for God to show me. No, God, God's already showed us. And if we do what he wants us to do now, it leads me to where he wants me to be. That's always it. 
And yeah, does he have an ultimate goal for your life? I believe he does. But I don't get there if I don't serve where I am now. I serve where I can now. Serve my community now. Do what I can now. I can't change all the shoes in the world. I can't give everybody, but I can give somebody some shoes. I change the people around me now. I can't feed all the people who are hungry right now, but I can feed somebody. I can't bring the whole world to church, but I can invite somebody. I can't help every kid out who doesn't have a pair of cleats, but I can help one kid out. What can you do? That's what the little boy did who couldn't, who couldn't feed the whole crowd. He just gave his one lunch he had to Jesus, and Jesus multiplied it to feed the multitude. See, God's looking for the one lunch you do have. Quit worrying about the multitude and just bring what you got, and let God multiply that back to other people. Oh, man, turn to your neighbor. It's about to get good today. See, I should, I should have came ready for this this morning. Uh, see, I love this passage in Philippians 4.8. It's, it's a great passage, man. We, we've quoted a lot in the church. Paul's teaching us, he says, hey, brethren, finally, whatever things are true, it's kind of a guideline for us. What, what are we supposed to do, you know? Hey, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, hey, think on these things. He goes, do these things you've learned and received and heard and saw me do. These do for the peace of God in your life. You know, and we read this and we, we teach whole series on this. You know, we'll take the noble and the true, the lovely and the good report. And we'll do a whole series teaching on this. But I think the problem is we read it like a Greek instead of like a Hebrew. Let me put it in the way you can We read it like, you know, someone who's reading, we read the noble things, whatever is true, whatever is just, and we need to read it like a person from the valley. Go to the next slide. Finally, brethren, whatever, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are loving, whatever things are good report if there's anything meditate on these things do these things what does god want me to do whatever whatever i can't make it any simpler than that god wants you to do whatever whatever you see that needs to be done step up and do it Whatever you can do for God, God, I don't know. This God, do you really want me to be nice to my coworker and invite him to church? Do you really want me to reach out to him? Nobody else really likes him. I'm, I'm praying about it. I'm fasting and praying. God, give me a sign. No, whatever needs to be done, I step up and do it. Whatever, whatever. Don't overcomplicate it. I'm just waiting for God's will. I'm waiting for God's will. God's will is you get up and do the whatever you can do today. Do whatever you can do today. Do whatever. You can't do everything, but what can you do? What can you do? We can all do something. Don't be a consumer of the word. Be a doer. Put the word into action in your life. Turn to your neighbor and say, put love in action. See, God is with those who take initiative. We see the Bible, I don't have time to go into this one. The Bible is full of people who didn't have a clue on what they were doing. All they did was step out on faith, take initiative, and God led them as they went. 
I mean, the Bible's full of these stories. Uh, one of them is our, is our hero here, Acts 16.6. Some of you have heard me teach on this before. You know, this is just a great story. It really inspires me. Paul was just talking about Paul's life, and, and Paul, we look at besides Jesus in the New Testament, there's nobody else more important than Paul. He wrote so many books of the New Testament. So much of the doctrine was given to us by the Holy Spirit through Paul. And, you know, besides Jesus, Paul is our, our hero, okay? He's our theological hero for the New Testament. Everybody talks about Paul, and, you know, there's classes and studies and movies, all these things about Paul. He had it all together, right? He spent years on the backside of the desert being tutored by the Holy Spirit personally. I mean, Paul was educated. Paul has spent years studying the Torah and then had an encounter with God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him. Jesus appeared to him. Jesus taught him. I mean, Paul had a transformation. Paul was our hero. So surely Paul should know his direction in life, what God wants to do. Let's read his story. Paul and his companions, they traveled throughout the region of Phygeria and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Now see what's happening here. Paul went to Phygeria and Galatia because he first thought he was supposed to go to Asia. Let's go to Asia. God's calling us to preach the gospel in Asia. He starts going to Asia, and the Holy Spirit now comes to Paul and is like, Whoa, Paul, stop. Stop, Paul. You're not supposed to go to Asia. Paul's like, Oh, yeah, of course I'm not supposed to go to Asia. I'm supposed to go to Phygeria and Galatia. So we're going to Phygeria and Galatia. And when they came to the board, look what it says. They tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Are you catching what's going on here? Paul tries to go to Asia. The Holy Spirit stops him from going to Asia. Oh, it's not Asia. It's not Galatia. It's not Phygeria. Oh, no, 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 no. God wants us to go to Bethania. That's it. Guys, I've heard God. God wants us to go preach the gospel in Bethania. And it says the spirit of Jesus now is trying to stop Paul. Paul, no, not Bethania. Can you catch this? We got the full trinity trying to stop Paul from making the great mistakes. This is, this is our hero. Look what happens then. The Spirit of Jesus would allow him to do this. Look what happens now. During the night, Paul had a vision. Now, first of all, let's stop there. Isn't it kind of funny? I think it's kind of comical. This great man of God, he had more clarity when he was unconscious than he did when he was conscious. Some of you think you have clear, some of you have more clarity when you're sleeping than you do when you're just awake. Just a little side note here, okay? Paul's awake. He keeps saying all these places, God's calling me, God's calling me, God's calling me, God's calling me to go. The Holy Spirit's stopping him. The Spirit of Jesus is stopping him. Finally, God waits till he goes to sleep. And look what it has. Now he has a vision in the sleep of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, Paul! Can you imagine this? Paul's asleep, and in his sleep, there's a man begging, Paul, Paul, come to Macedonia. Paul, come to Macedonia. Paul, come to Macedonia. I mean, the Holy Spirit had to put him asleep for him to reveal what God's really will for his life was. 
And he sends a man to beg in his sleep, Paul, come to Macedonia. And Paul wakes up, standing. Look what he says. we got to get ready at once to leave for Macedonia. Concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. You know, in my life, I remember when I was in college, Bible college, this is just terminology that people would use for pastors and teachers there. They'd be like, you got to know your Macedonia call. You got to have a Macedonia call. What simply means you got to know where God's calling you. God calls you to a region or God calls you to a city. You know, I'm like, I don't know. I'm just trying to pass this class. You people are spiritual. I don't, I'm not hearing all, JD, I wouldn't hear God tell me where I had to be. I thought I was getting out. I didn't know. I'm just trying, just trying to pass the class. And they want me to think about where God's calling me to be for the rest of my life. I don't know. You guys are way too much spiritual for me. I'm just, I'm just, can you tell me whether or not I'm going to pass this class and help me out? If you, if you can get that answer, go ahead and tell me. You know, and I think what's important is this, is not that we realize that, yeah, God's got a Macedonia place for all of us. He's got places he calls us to long term. But we never get there if we just don't do what we're supposed to do today. And I believe, look at this next statement. I believe Paul, Paul, he, he really didn't know. He had no idea where he was supposed to go. Paul had no idea where he was really supposed to go. He only knew why he was going. And that's what we got to realize. I don't have to know everywhere God's got for me. I just got to know why I'm going. He's called me to preach the good news of the gospel, to set the captives free, to bring love to those who need love, to bring hope to those who are hopeless. God has called me. I've got to preach. I've got to tell them about who Jesus really is. That was his why. The rest of it, it all came to fruition in his life later on. It all was revealed later on through his obedience. Serve where you're at now, and God gets you where you need to be. God, I want to, I want to reach people now. God, give me where to be. God, what do you want me to do? Whatever, whatever you see, do it. Whatever you see, do it. Just do something. Just do something. Just do something. If I want to spend time with, with Pastor Mike, if I want to get to know him, how many think the best way for me to know him is to go out and read every story about him? Watch every video he's ever put online. Read every article, every published about him. And if I read, I've been, I can study, I've been studying Pastor Mike for years, and I've been reading things about him for years, so I really know him. Do I really know him? Who knows him better? The person who's been reading about him for years or the person who walks with him every day? The person who says, hey, Mike, let's go. I want to go out. I just want to shadow you, man. I want to, I want to go with you. I want to partner with you as you go out and help people. And, and man, you got a heart to help people. So I just want to go out and see you help people. Who's, who's going to know Mike in the long run? Who's going to know him best? The person who's, who's walking with him. Don't just know about God. Just don't hear about God. Just don't hear about Jesus. Get up tomorrow and say, Jesus, it's you and I walk. Show me my whatever today. Jesus, show me how I can be the whatever to somebody else. Jesus, show me what kids can I help out today. Jesus, show me what coworker can I encourage today. Jesus, show me how can I make a difference in my workplace. Jesus, show me how I can help my neighbor. Jesus, show me. I'm praying, God. Should I cut my neighbor's yard? 
It's getting high. It's embarrassing. But I'm praying about it. Maybe they're in the hospital. That's the reason why it's not cut. I need to pray about that, God. I know that her husband's in the hospital. He's been laid off work. Can't work, can't walk. But I'm praying, God, should I go over there and mow his yard? Show me the right thing. No, no. I see it. It's the whatever. And I do it because it's the right thing to do. It's what Jesus would do. Jesus said, I didn't come to this to hang around those who are well. I came around to hang around those who are sick. Who's sick? Who's sick? Who needs Jesus? This week as I was preparing, I just wrote this statement out. and I posted it a couple days ago on one of my social media pages. And I want to put it to you again today. I don't want to be a better version. Listen, I don't want to be a better version of me. I've been there. Trying to make myself a better version, be self-improving myself. I want to grow as a leader. I want to grow as a person. And there's nothing wrong with improving yourself. We all got areas we can improve on. But more importantly than becoming a better version of me, I want to become a better reflection of Jesus. That's what I want. I want to become a better reflection of Jesus. I stink at it sometimes. You stink at it sometimes. But I want to teach Jesus, help me, help me to be a better reflection of you. Help me be a better person that I can do the whatever you have for me to do. I want you to, to today, I'm going to close out the majority of this message today with a uh, part of a video from one of my favorite authors and speakers. His name is Bob Goff, the author of Love Does and Love Everybody. He is a lawyer. He was not, he's not a pastor. He's not an evangelist. He's a lawyer who God shook his world. And he said, I've got to quit trying to defend people. And I just feel like I just need to help justice. I just want to stop trying to defend people and fight for rights. And let's just, let's just fight for justice. That become his whole theme was, I just want to fight for justice. And it led him to go into Uganda. And there in Uganda, he would help rescue children who were being uh, kidnapped by witch doctors, having their organs stolen out of them, left for dead, and they're selling these organs, and, and uh, no one was, people were afraid to go prosecute these witch doctors because they had so much to pull, and they were afraid of the voodoo in that area. And so he felt God calling to go there, and he began to stand up to the witch doctors and, and see some of them prosecuted as they get put in life in jail or being put the death penalty and convicted of these things. Word began to spread throughout the rest of the witch doctors that you just can't do this and expect to get by with it any longer. And off, off that one thing, it began to lead to this love and action, love and action, love and action, love and action. I want you to watch about 10 minutes of this clip and let it inspire you to do something. I, uh, I, and if, if following Jesus doesn't lead you to hurting, lonely, sometimes creepy people, you're not following Jesus. I'm on Twitter. I'll send out a little tweet every morning about something. And I actually got a new follower. Check it out. <laughs> Jesus Christ is following me. <laughs> Who knew? I thought it was supposed to be the other way around. Actually, I checked. He only has 12 followers. I'm like, one of them will betray you. So, <laughs> but God is patient with us while we, while we move towards. But I want patience to lead to gratefulness and gratefulness to lead to action. Uh, two weeks ago, we started our next school. I wrote Love Does, this book, uh, a couple of years ago, and we just gave all the money away. It's been awesome. 
<laughs> There's a, I put my cell phone number on the last page of the book because I was just thinking how Jesus was patient with people and he always just like made more and more time. You guys, there's a million and a half people that have my cell phone number. <laughs> I get a hundred calls a day. It's awesome. I can't get a thing done. But there's something... <laughs> I'm just patient. There's this one young guy that calls me about every three weeks and he just cusses at me. <laughs> I'm a lawyer. I thought I knew all the cuss words. Evidently, there's new ones. And I have him on a caller ID is vulgar kid because I know I'm going to get an earful. And we've never gotten to what he's mad about. But I thin the phone conversation the same way every time. I let him know I will always take your call. I want to be the one person that doesn't call him a creep. I don't want him to call him a jerk. I see him as a child of God, terribly confused like me sometimes, and working it out. Why he's doing what he's doing, I don't know. But I'm immensely patient. And there's something beautiful about that. What God gives us is each other to practice immense patience. He gives us church parking lots to practice immense patience. You know what I'm talking about. And there's something beautiful about that. If you want to know more about your faith, then just have it turn into action. We, we started our, our next school. Two weeks ago, I flew into Afghanistan in one of the cities where the Taliban's capital used to be, and we started a girl's school. <laughs> what a bad idea. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? It looks like Willy Wonka made this thing. They won't teach little girls how to read or write. You know why? Because they're girls. And God is immensely patient, but he's not going to stand still for stuff like that. We don't get to just decide you can't learn anymore just because of your gender. Heck no. So patience leads to action. It doesn't lead to apathy. It says, like, let's go do this. And there's a whole building, five stories, full of little girls. Every morning, all of these cars start pulling up. And I don't know how it's going to work out, but you guys fail trying. Don't fail watching. Find this thing. And here's the deal. Jesus isn't dazzled when you go across an ocean. He's wowed when you go across the street. When you go across the office place of this creepy person, you know who they are. And you just say like, hi. And say like, what are you doing? And like, I'm being immensely patient. <laughs> Bring him a cookie. Just find this thing. But find opportunities. Find opportunities. People don't grow where they're informed. They grow where they have an opportunity. There, there's a young woman. Her name is Grace. Grace wanted to be a speaker, but she'd never spoken anywhere before. And it turns out, I was speaking at this pastor's conference with 3,000 pastors the next weekend, and she had no like video reel of her speaking. So I actually walked out on stage holding hands with Grace. And I came up to the front. I let go and I got out of the shot. And I said, go. <laughs> They'll never have me back. But there's something beautiful about that, you guys. Immense patience comes from a grateful heart. And gratefulness leads to action. And action means giving somebody an opportunity to do something. A young guy was working for me. His name is Aaron. Aaron was a paralegal, this law firm I had in Seattle. For, for a dozen years, he'd been a paralegal. You know what Aaron really wanted to do? He wanted to be a lawyer, but he didn't have 300 grand for tuition or three years. He had three kids and a wife. 
And so I went to the state bar and I said, I teach at Pepperdine Law School. Could we make our own law school with one student, Aaron? (laughs) It was like I did this Jedi thing. This is Aaron trying his first case last week. Literally. He passed the bar. He was the valedictorian. He was actually also the last guy in the class, but he was the first guy. (laughs) Let immense patience lead to action. In people's lives, just love them, find a guy. In Gulu, Uganda, there was a young guy sleeping under a truck. The LRA had killed his parents. He just wanted into the school. He was one of the last kids that we let into the school. You know what he wanted to be? He wanted to be an engineer. And so from grade, like, eight years old, all the way through engineering school, he's just graduated. He's just built our 54th building in Gulu, Uganda. He's the engineer. Let patience turn in to gratefulness. Let gratefulness turn into action. With the people that are near you, find them. They'll start thinking about themselves completely differently. We try cases against witch doctors who sacrifice children. I mean, it's pretty heavy stuff. It's death penalty stuff. And the word of these convictions has gone everywhere, but I'm trying to be immensely patient with these witch doctors. Matthew 5, love your enemies. So you guys know from before I started a witch doctor school. (laughs) Isn't that creepy? We don't teach them how to be witch doctors. They already know. We teach them how to read and write. And they're creepy, creepy dudes. We just had our own graduation at witch doctor school. Like, literally, it was creepy. (laughs) And I told these guys, hey, you guys, I'm writing my next book. And you guys are learning how to read and write. So what if we split it down the middle? I'll write all the words. You make the fingerprints, like make the cover out of your fingerprints. And you know what, you guys? When this thing hit the times, I called them up. I said, you guys, that that is not jelly beans. That's the fingerprints of 250 of the creepiest people you've ever met in your life. I called them up. I said, you guys, we hit the times. And they're like, going like, yay. And then it quiets down. They say, what's the New York Times? (laughs) I'm like, don't worry about it. But if you ask them, what do you do? Do you know what they'd say? They used to say we're witch doctors. Now they say we're authors. Include people. Be immensely patient. And they'll start seeing themselves the way that you see them. And there's something beautiful. And God sees you as his beloved. He's just nuts about you. He he just can't wait to spend forever with you. But there's going to be a couple setbacks along the way. Remember that inlet I showed you where we hang out? I spent 22 years building a lodge there. We bring good guys, bad guys, undecided, everybody. Kosovo, after the war, they said we're our own sovereign nation. So I brought Kosovo's leadership up. What I didn't tell them, I brought Serbia, Albania, and Macedonia. (laughs) They were so mad. I'm like, whatever, sue me. So... We built this lodge 22 years. I was finally done with this thing. I hired eight guys to put one last coat of stain on this thing. They were there for two days. And they took two small rags that were stained. It had stain all over them. They put them in a bag. It spontaneously combusted. And you guys, it burnt to the ground. It's erased. Small things can turn into big things. And that's happened to some of you. It was a relationship. It was a career. It was something that just went terribly wrong. 
and it burnt to the ground. And sweet Maria Goff and I stood at the edge of this thing. Every single memory of ours just evaporated. There was a woman who was really well-intentioned, but I think still working on her people skills a little bit. And she came up and she said, Bob, the reason God burned down your lodge is he wanted to show you his power. I wanted to scissor kick her in the neck. I'm like, what? <laughs> I've seen a ladybug and been wowed. You didn't need to burn down my home. But you know what? Marie gave me permission to share this with you. I was sad about this thing and Maria was stuck. And she said that uh, she, we went to a counselor together. And the counselor said, what was the hardest part of the lodge burning down? And she said it was the only place on earth that I felt safe. And the counselor asked a couple more questions. And you guys, we weren't talking about the lodge anymore. We were talking about a guy 40 years ago who did something horrific to her. And I let Maria know that if it took our lodge burning down for you to get real with that stuff, I would have lit the match myself. And that's how Jesus feels. He'll light the match to whatever it is that's separating you two. He's immensely patient with you. He wants you to come home if you're feeling far away from him. If you just heard about this thing, you've come to church, you're watching online. He just wants you to come home to him. He's immensely patient. There's no big magic words. Just say like, will you be immensely patient with me? And then he'll say yes, and you're in. Is there more to your faith? Yes. Don't worry about it. He's immensely patient. So just say, don't stay far away from him. Draw close to him. He's patient. He knows your screw-ups. He knows mine. Um, but he, he also sees us for who we're turning into. He sees the beauty in our lives. I'm going to close with this. We, uh, we have a parade that we do on our block that some of you know about. We've been doing it for 24 years on this block. We always have a, a queen, one of the little ladies on the block, but we always have a grand marshal. And uh, our neighborhood has this mailman, and his name is Art. And he actually stinks at being a mailman. He's just a uh, life art, but he's just not a detail guy. So he just like delivers the mail to all the wrong houses. That's why we all know each other. So after 20, <laughs> after 20 long years, Art told me, Bob, I'm going to retire. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. So I thought, what if we make Art the grand marshal of the parade. And so we got a car, a convertible. We put it at the end of the street. We put thousands of envelopes in the back of this. We said, Art, just do what you do every day. Just throw the envelopes everywhere. 800 people turned out to let Art know just how much they loved him. He's a lousy mailman, but he was just an awesome guy. Art was so moved by this outpouring of love and kindness and patience. He called me the next day. He said, Bob, I'm coming out of retirement. I'm like, no. And you know what I'm going to be? Immensely patient. Oh, you guys, let me pray for us. Could we? Jesus, you've been eavesdropping on this morning. You know our hearts. You know the things that we've done to blow it. And you are immensely patient. We love you. We're yours. It's not about us. We want to continue to make it about all about you. In your strong name, amen. Amen. I love, I love Bob's challenges to us. To, just to do something. Just do something. Do something. There's... there's there's opportunities, not across the world, but there's opportunities here across the street. 
There's opportunities in the school your kids go to. There's opportunities in the community you live in. There's opportunities in the neighborhood you live in. There's opportunities in places around you every day that we can be doing things to show God's love. I don't have to pray about, God, do you want me to help? Do what I can? I can't rescue all the those caught up in sex trafficking, but I, I can help somebody who is rescuing them. I can help... I can help support somebody who is. I don't. I can't put the shoes on three hundred million kids. Three hundred million people can't afford shoes around the world. Three hundred million people can't afford something as simple as shoes. I can't do three hundred million people, but I can help somebody. I can help somebody. Some kid is going to get a pair of shoes and walk to school not be made fun of because of the shoes he's wearing for the first time. Some parent's going to put on a pair of shoes and go get a job interview and have a great pair of shoes because of what you're giving today. Some mom who buys shoes for her, her family, for her kids, she's a single mom and she's buying shoes for her kids. She hasn't bought a good pair of shoes for herself in a long time. She's going to receive a nice pair of shoes because of your generosity. Look at this last slide. I love what the owner of Tom's Shoes, Blake McCoskey, he, he started Tom's in 2012 with a theme of you buy a pair of shoes and I'll donate a pair of shoes. So every time you buy a pair of shoes, don't you get those shoes. He donates a pair of shoes around the world to somebody else who needs them, especially little children. And, you know, I, how many of us, simple idea, how many of us have something in our, maybe in your business maybe in your neighborhood, maybe in your closet, maybe in your school. How many of us have something that you could do that just gives back? You say, I, I, can't, I can't cure everything, but I can help somebody. I can do the whatever for somebody. And, and that's what I'm hoping today is you say, I just want to do something. I just want to do something. I want to be Jesus' hands and feet to somebody. I want to put love into action. I want to be a doer of the word, not just a consumer. I want to be Jesus' hands and feet to somebody else. This morning, our ushers are going to be standing here at the very ends of the aisles. And for those of you who want to participate today and bring your shoes, they're going to hand you zip ties as you come to the front so you can zip titles together. And we're going to fill up the rest of the front of this auditorium here in front of the stage with shoes. If you're a guest today and you didn't come prepared, please don't feel any guilt today. We know you didn't come prepared, so no one's asking you to give up your shoes. If you want to, you can. But many people knew about this for a few weeks in advance, and so they brought shoes knowing they're going to donate those shoes today. So if you didn't come prepared for that, please feel no no shame or guilt today at all. But for those of you who came prepared and wanted to participate today, I'm going to ask you to begin to come during this next song. Get those zip ties up, zip tie them up, and let's place them around the altar. Let's flood the place. As you come forward today, I want you to make that your prayer. God, I want to be your hands and feet. God, show me every day the whatever I can do. Come on, let's flood this place. This morning before we leave, I'm going to invite... Anybody who wants to join me, let's just pray. Can we pray over these shoes before they leave and just pray that whoever receives these shoes would just sense God's love. So I can get a few people who want to just come up and join me around the front. 
Let's just stretch your hands up his way. Father, we, we thank you, Lord, for, first of all, thank you for the hearts of the people who are opening up their lives, opening up their closets today, and just donating to people who need help. God, may you continue to teach us what it means to do the whatever, to be doers of your word. So I thank you, God, for the sacrifice. I thank you for the lessons being taught to our children. I thank you for those who are just opening up, Father, their life today and giving freely. And we pray to, Father, whoever these shoes goes to, to the kid who doesn't have nice shoes, may he know that there's someone who loves him. Protect his heart, God. Protect his mind. To the mom who can't afford to buy shoes for her kids, God, may these shoes be a blessing to her home. May it be a blessing knowing she's not alone and people care about her. There's a church who cares about her. God, I pray to Father, whoever gets a hold of these shoes, God, the charities, God, the ministries, God, may they just be a tool for people to know that someone cares about them and values their life. May something as simple as a pair of shoes brighten their day. May something as simple as a pair of shoes bring hope to their life. May something as simple as a pair of shoes bring God's joy and love to their life in a new and practical way. God, may these shoes be a blessing and be used to to be a blessing to your kingdom, Lord, to all who need them. And we say together, amen, amen, amen. Amen. This morning, before you leave, let me tell you one thing. If, If you need shoes here and you say, Pastor, that's me, you're talking about me. I'm not talking about you iron a pair of shoes up here some lady brought and you're like, ooh, girl, I really need those shoes. That's not what I'm talking about. If you're here and you have a valid need of shoes, Pastor Mike, where, where are you this morning? Raise your hands. See Pastor Mike. He'll, he'll set you up where you can discreetly come in later on this evening and we'll let you get the shoes you need for you and your family, okay? Make sure you see him. He'll set that up for you to come back in where you can get those shoes first before we give them away, okay? God bless you. We love you. Turn somebody, give them a high five and say, I'm proud of you today.